You're unmuted. This meeting will come to order. Welcome to the May 25th, 2023 regular meeting of the Public Safety and Neighborhood Services Committee. I'm Supervisor Catherine Stephanie, Chair of the Committee. To my right is Vice Chair Joel Engardio, Supervisor Joel Engardio, and to my left is Supervisor Dorsey. The clerk is Mr. John Carroll. Also, I'd like to thank Jamie Etiaveri at SFGovTV for staffing this meeting. Mr. Clerk, do you have any announcements? Yes, thank you, Madam Chair. The Board of Supervisors and its committees are convening hybrid meetings that allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment via telephone. The Board recognizes that equitable public access is essential, and we will be taking public comment today as follows. First, public comment will be taken on each item on today's agenda. Those attending the meeting in person here in the chamber, room 250, will be allowed to speak first, and then we will hear comments from those who are waiting on the telephone line. The public comment call-in phone number for today's meeting is 415-655-0001. You'll be prompted to enter a meeting ID. The meeting ID for today's meeting is 259050032123212. After you've entered the meeting ID, press the pound symbol twice and you will hear the meeting discussions. However, your telephone line will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up on our agenda and public comment is called, those joining us in person should line up to speak along the curtain wall, my left-hand side, your right-hand side, and we'll hear from those folks first. And those on the telephone line should dial star three to be added to the speaker line. If you are on your telephone, please remember to turn down the volume on your television, your computer, your radio, whatever listening devices you may be using to access today's proceedings that will help us avoid having any issues with feedback and echoes that may disrupt the proceedings. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing. I invite you to email them to myself. I'm the Public Safety Neighborhood Services Committee Clerk, and my email address is john.carroll at sfgov.org. Or you may send your written comments via U.S. Postal Service to our office in City Hall, City Hall's address is 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, San Francisco, California, 94102. The clerk's office within City Hall is in room 244. If you submit public comment in writing, I will forward your comment to the members of the Public Safety and Neighborhood Services Committee, and I will include your comments within the file on which you are commenting. And of course, if you need to consult the contact information that I've just read off, all of it is available for you to check on the front page of any of our committee agenda. And finally, Madam Chair, items acted upon today are expected to appear on the Board of Supervisors agenda of June 6th, 2023, unless otherwise stated. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Will you please call the first item? Agenda item number one is a hearing to consider that the issuance of a Type 90 on-sale general music venue liquor license to the Independent LLC to do business as the Independent located at 628 Divisadero will serve the public convenience or necessity of the city and county. Thank you, and I believe we have Officer Salmason from the SFPD ABC Liaison Unit. Good to see you. Good morning, members of the board. Okay, the independent LLC has applied for a Type 90 license, and if approved, this would allow them to operate an on-sale general music venue. I have zero letters of protest, zero letters of support. They're in plot 642, which is considered high crime area. They're in census tract 164, which is considered high saturation. Uh, Northern Police District has no opposition, and uh, Alcohol Liaison Unit recommends approval with the following conditions. 
One, that the petitioner shall actively monitor the area under their control in an effort to prevent the loitering of persons on any property adjacent to the licensed premise as depicted on ABC 253 form. And that between the hours of 12 noon and 2 a.m. or at any time the premise is providing entertainment, the petitioner shall provide at least one uniform security guard on the premise and shall maintain order therein and prevent any activity which would interfere with the quiet enjoyment of the property by nearby residents or surrounding community. The licensed uniform security guard must be licensed by the State of California Department of Consumer Affairs. Thank you. Thank you, officer. Any questions from my colleagues? No? I understand we have app, um, representatives of the applicant present. Would you like to approach? Hello, thanks for having us. I'm John Gunton. I'm the general manager of the independent. I've been the general manager there for about 10 years and uh, have been working there five years before that. So we're about to celebrate our 20th anniversary in February. We've uh, been at 628 Divisadero and have very diligently and uh, with great respect to the neighborhood and the neighbors uh, and the laws of the city have done our best to um, honor all of our responsibilities uh, as license holders for a 47 license. Uh, we would really love to uh, get your approval on this 90 license because for us it allows us to compete further in an ever-growing uh, competitive market that is a lot of not independent players and like we are true to our name, we are an independent venue. So it'll help us in that regard and we do take the neighborhood uh, the well-being of the neighborhood very seriously. We're very proud members of that neighborhood and we promise to honor as we always have and continue to be the best possible license holder we can be. Thank you very much. Seeing no one on the roster, Mr. Clerk, I think we can open up for public comment. Thank you very much, Madam Chair. Do we have anyone here in the board chamber who has public comment on agenda item number one? If so, please come forward to the lectern. Otherwise, if you are connected remotely and you wish to speak on this item, please dial star three to be added to the queue. I'll delay for just a moment to see if we have any callers or anyone who wants to provide public comment. And Madam Chair, it appears that we have no callers in the queue and no one here for public comment in person. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Public comment is now closed. Seeing no one on the roster, at this time I would like to move that the clerk prepare a resolution making a determination that the issuance of a type 90 on sale general music venue liquor license to the applicant would serve the public convenience or necessity. May we take this motion without objection and send this resolution to the full board with positive recommendation. A motion has been made by the chair that a resolution be forwarded to the board of supervisors making findings that the public convenience or necessity would be served. On that motion, Vice Chair and Guardio. And Guardio, aye. Member Dorsey. Dorsey, aye. Chair Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Will you please call the next item? Agenda item number two is an ordinance amending the health. Hang on. I might have this out of order. No, this is correct. Agenda item number two is an ordinance amending the health code to designate the city attorney rather than the district attorney to represent the city in judicial proceedings to establish a Murphy conservatorship, a conservatorship for individuals who have been found mentally incompetent during a criminal proceeding involving a charge of death, great bodily harm, or a serious threat to the physical well-being of another person, where there has been a finding of probable cause and the proceeding has not been dismissed. 
as a result of a mental health disorder. The individual is unable to understand the nature and purpose of the criminal proceeding or assist counsel in the conduct of the defense. And the individual represents a substantial danger of physical harm to self or others by reason of mental disease, defect, or disorder. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. This ordinance is sponsored by Supervisor Mandelman, and we have his legislative aide, Jackie Thornhill, today, who will present on it. Welcome, Thank you, Jackie. Chair Stephanie and committee members. Uh, the ordinance before you today would designate the city attorney rather than the district attorney in judicial proceedings seeking to impose a Murphy conservatorship on individuals meeting the criteria set forth in the State Welfare and Institutions Code. Um, Section 4121 of our health code currently provides that the city attorney is designated to represent the city in assisted outpatient treatment proceedings and housing conservatorships for people with serious mental illness and substance use disorders. Section 4121 also designates the city attorney to represent the city when imposing conservatorships for gravely disabled persons except that the district attorney is currently designated to represent the city in proceedings to appoint a Murphy conservatorship which is specifically for people who are found mentally incompetent to stand trial under section 1370 of the state penal code and have outstanding felony charges involving great physical injury or death of another person. Uh, so by arbitrarily dividing responsibility for conservatorships between the city attorney and district attorney, our current system creates inefficiencies that would be resolved by consolidating all responsibility for conservatorship proceedings in one department. Given that these proceedings are civil, not criminal, it makes sense for the city attorney's office to take the lead, and the district attorney's office has informed us that they do support this ordinance. So thank you to Kamiko Burton and Henry Clifton in the city attorney's office and Eddie McCaffrey with the district attorney's office for their work on this ordinance. Thank you very much. Do my colleagues have any questions? No? Okay. Mr. Clerk, I think we can open this up for public comment. Thank you, Madam Chair. Do we have anyone in the chamber who has public comment on agenda item number two? If so, please come forward to the lectern while I remind speakers who uh, may wish to address the committee remotely that if they wish to add themselves to the queue, they can dial star three to add themselves to the queue. Otherwise, please begin. Oh, thank you, Ken from San Francisco. I just realized this is uh, strictly involving um, civil and not criminal issues. Or, uh, but what I wanted to say that uh, in an out-of-state case, uh, there was a man who was released from custody in recent years um, after being ruled incompetent. Just to flesh it out, he's alleged to have struck an eight-year-old uh, girl with a shovel, fractured her skull, and brutally raped her. Um, and in an issue closer to home, uh, I have a hard time comprehending how anyone professionally employed in the field of adult supervision can perceive as a fair practice in redressing past grievance the violence of fracturing someone's skull through repeated strikes directly at the uh, victim's head while simultaneously the relatively innocuous act of dousing somebody's clothing with water is mischaracterized as cruel vigilantism. One act seemingly impulsive, born of frustration, the other possibly evidence of malicious uh, malice of forethought and an act of bloody revenge. The only thing that does add up is the board's approval rating and the overwhelming public sentiment that things are moving in the wrong direction. In politics, countervailing forces are integral for establishing balance. Thank you for sharing your comments with the committee. Do we have anyone further in the chamber who has public comment on agenda item number two? And Madam Chair, I don't see that we have any remote callers. 
Supervisor Dorsey is on okay. the roster. Sure. I'd just like to make. Oh, I'd, sorry. Public uh, comment is now closed. Supervisor um, Dorsey. I just want to express my appreciation to Supervisor Mandelman for this. Um, having a, worked in the city attorney's office for many years, I think this is a good move, and I'm glad that it's a, that the, both uh, the DA and the city attorney are in agreement on it. So, my appreciation to the supervisor and his office for their work on this. I'd like to make a motion to send this to the full board with a positive recommendation. A motion has been offered by Member Dorsey to recommend this ordinance to the Board of Supervisors. On that motion, Vice Chair Engardio. Aye. Engardio, aye. Member Dorsey. Dorsey, aye. Chair Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Will you please call the next item? Agenda item number three is a resolution urging the California State Legislature to pass California State Senate Bill numbers 43 and 363, introduced by California Senator Susan Eggman, to amend the Lanterman Petrus Short Act and Chapter 2 of Division 2 of the Health and Safety Code. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. And again, this is sponsored by Supervisor Mandelman, and I'd like to welcome back Ms. Thornhill to the podium. Thanks again, Chair Stephanie. Um, so this resolution would urge our state legislature to pass two bills authored by Senator Susan Eggman, SB 43 and SB 363. And I believe I distributed uh, hard copies of the amendment we're proposing today to all the offices in advance and it should be in your inboxes. I also have some more if the clerks would like those as well. Um, so these bills together would improve California's behavioral health system by requiring the state to develop a real-time database displaying information about beds in specified types of facilities and updating the outdated definition of grave disability, which was actually signed into law by Governor Reagan in 1967. Last year, the board passed a resolution authored by Supervisor Mandelman in support of a package of eight bills authored by Senator Eggman to modernize our behavioral health continuum, six of which ultimately passed. SB 43 is another attempt at two of the bills that didn't pass last year. It would amend the Lanterman Petrus Short Act to expand the definition of gravely disabled for purposes of conservatorship eligibility to include conditions that will result in substantial risk of serious harm to the physical or mental health of a person due to a mental health disorder or substance use disorder. Um, this bill is particularly important to our office as there are numerous individuals in our district who have repeatedly declined offers of voluntary treatment, walked out of inpatient treatment facilities, and continue to suffer from their mental illness, addictions, and untreated medical conditions. The passage of SB 363 would be another important step toward the state reasserting some responsibility for residential behavioral health care, as it would require the State Department of Healthcare Services to develop a real-time online dashboard to display information about the number of beds available in different types of facilities across the state. Significant research, collaboration, and hard work went into these bills, and they present nuanced, thoughtful solutions to policy roadblocks that have vexed policymakers for half a century. Uh, SB 43 and 363 are also endorsed by the Big City Mayors Coalition, the National Alliance on Mental Illness California, the State Association of Psychiatrists, and the Psych Psychiatric Physicians Alliance of California. Um, we appreciate Senator Eggman's commitment to fixing our broken mental health care system one bill at a time, and we want to thank the co-sponsors of this resolution, uh, Supervisors Melgar, Engardio, Peskin, and Safai. Thank you, Ms. Thornhill. Any questions from my colleagues? I'd just like to say that I am so grateful for Supervisor Mandelman's um, 
work on this subject and his persistence, and I'd like to add my name as a co-sponsor. Seeing no questions, let's open this up for public comment. Thank you, Madam Chair. Do we have anyone in the board chamber who has public comment on agenda item number three? If so, please come forward to the public comment lectern at the front of the rail. And folks who are connected remotely, if you wish to speak on this item, please dial star three and that will add you to the queue. Do we have any speakers? Madam Chair, we have no speakers in the chamber and none connected remotely. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Public comment is now closed. I would now like to make a motion to amend the legislation as the amendments have been presented today. Uh, on the motion to amend offered by Chair Stephanie, Vice Chair Engardio. Engardio, aye. Member Dorsey. Dorsey, aye. Chair Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition. Thank you, and I'd like to make a motion to send this resolution to the full board with positive recommendation as amended. On the motion offered by Chair Stephanie that this be recommended as amended, Vice Chair Engardio. Engardio, aye. Chair, uh, Member Dorsey. Dorsey, aye. Chair Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition once again. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Will you please call the next item? Agenda item number four is an ordinance amending the police code to provide that cannabis retail permit applications will not be accepted as of the effective date of the ordinance and affirming the planning department's determination under the California Environmental Quality Act. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. And today we are joined by Supervisor Safai, the primary sponsor of this item, and I will turn it over to him. Welcome. Thank you, everyone. Good morning. Um, thank you for considering this legislation today, uh, which is designed both to support our emergency cannabis industry and address concerns of our neighbors by ceasing applications to the Office of Cannabis for new retail outlets. I want to thank Supervisor Walton and Supervisor Stephanie for their co-sponsorship. Um, as you may recall, Proposition 44, excuse me, 64, which legalized adult use of cannabis, put the decision of how to implement the program at the local level. In San Francisco, we built on an existing network of people who've been providing medical cannabis for years. Uh, medical cannabis authorized in California through Proposition 2215 helped those who needed it most, people living with AIDS, HIV, and cancer who saw their appetites disappear chronic pain that couldn't fight and did not want to take opioids, um, and many others that Brownie Mary fought for. Today, there are 33 of these cooperatives licensed by DPH in our community. Eventually, they will become Article 16 license operators. Uh, then the board passed legislation to implement Prop 64 and locally regulate cannabis. We put in equity front and center. Um, ensuring that those who had been victimized by the war on drugs could have a seat at the table and own at least 40% of those businesses and that there would be parity in the market. Those are all uh, amendments that I made um, when I was on this committee and I'm proud to have been a part of that. And today we have 31 of those retailers. At the same time, some of the promises of Prop 64 haven't been realized. The city could do better at enforcement against illegal and dangerous unregulated market. In my district, an un unregulated grow house on Ocean Avenue caught fire, and in Supervisor Engardio's neighborhood, a house literally exploded. Many community members also want better efforts to stop underage usage of cannabis, 
Um, there are, these are all parts of Prop 64's promise. We will allow adults to use cannabis while carefully regulating it and stopping minors from using it. And some of those promises haven't necessarily been fulfilled. Today, there are about 100 applications at the Office of Cannabis to open retail and delivery shops. On top of the 64 we already have, and we still haven't converted the medical cannabis dispensaries because of this backlog. I, co I sponsored this legislation to extend the temporary planning use Excuse me, I sponsored the legislation to extend the temporary planning use, but we really need to convert these and, and have a better conversation about it. My view is that the Office of Cannabis should focus on processing and issuing these permits, possibly as many as 147, before we accept any more. The market, by many analyses, is oversaturated. The office should work harder to coordinate with the planning and DBI so equity applicants can open their doors quickly once approved. And we must address the issues around saturation in our neighborhoods. Today, many cannabis businesses, just like many of one type of any businesses, particularly alcohol or other, aren't good for one neighborhood, and they shouldn't be saturated in one neighborhood. I'm committed to my constituents that we we considered the 4835 appeal to do something about saturation, and this legislation was a follow-up on that conversation. Today we'll hear from the Office of Cannabis, who has a presentation, and there will be two sets of amendments. Um, at least one is ready, and the others are in the drafting form. Um, I'll ask the committee to update the findings. Um, I think we emailed it to you, but I'll ha hand that out for, um, since there's a lot has changed since 2020. And Supervisor Chan is in conversation with our office about a sunset date uh, beginning January 2028 on this ordinance while requiring the controller to do an economic analysis of the industry in general to determine whether or not it makes sense to continue it past that time and or uh, design safeguards against oversaturation, all of which we'll ask the controller to be involved in. And so in, in the interest of building consensus with my colleagues, I'm happy to consider those. Uh, the Supervisor Chan's amendments are not ready today, but we'll discuss those more at the at the full board once this moves forward. With that, let me add, uh, let me ask uh, Nikesh Patel of the Office of Cannabis to present, and then we can get into questions and public comment. Thank you, Supervisor Safai. And, and, and and before you do that, uh, I just want to say I know that there's been some conversation and pushback on terms of the of why we would why we would have this and why we would do it now. And we've heard from a lot of people in the industry that because this industry is particularly unique, the inability to bank, the competition from over 60% of the market being still illicit to this day, the inability and, and the over necessity to work in cash business, which creates all types of security issues, some of which we dealt with through legislation on roll down gates. Um, we've had individuals that work in the industry that were kidnapped at gunpoint. There's constant break-ins at gunpoint. Um, this industry is constantly under economic and physical pressure assault, and we felt better to focus. And there's also, and, and many of us have been involved in this, a constant pressure from different neighborhoods that feel as though their neighborhood has too many of these and how they're being located, where they're being located, and in proximity to what types of businesses. We felt it made sense to ask for this pause right now 
to allow for the market to adjust, allow for the industry to adjust, to provide better security and overall protections for an industry that we've spent a significant amount of time trying to, no pun intended, cultivate and ensure that it, it, it strengthens, but at the same time respecting the wishes and desires of different neighborhoods in this city and their concerns as well. So that's the genesis of why we put this forward today. And we also wanted to wait for the market to have the right number of, and we've heard from the industry itself, this competition and this illicit market and this security and all the other factors, they've asked for um, a, a pause and so have the neighbors that feel as though the market is saturated. So that's the genesis of why we are here today. Again, thank you, Supervisor Stephanie, Supervisor Walton and others that are part of this conversation. And as I said, we'll, I'm gonna hand out um, the updated findings so because it was back in 2020, here you go, Supervisor, if you can hand that down to the other members. Um, and, and then we'll let Nikesh speak today and, and hear his presentation and go from there. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Supervisor Safai, and thank you, Supervisors Engardio, Stephanie, and Dorsey for the opportunity to speak on the proposed legislation. Oh, yes, sorry. My name is Nikesh. I am the director of the Office of Cannabis, and I'm joined here by Senior Deputy Director Ray Law. We'll both be available for questions after the presentation. We'll try and keep it quick because I know it's a packed agenda. So jumping straight into it, today's presentation will proceed in three parts. The first is just to establish what the present retail market landscape looks like. The second is to talk about the pending queue of applications, both on the verified equity applicant side, as well as the existing industry. That distinction matters, and I will speak to it a little bit more when we get to those slides. And the last slide is just to speak to some of the recommendations that we think may make sense with respect to this legislation, given our familiarity with the operators and the industry as a whole. Jumping into the retail market, it's best to think about it in sort of two broad categories. There are the new businesses, and then there are the existing businesses. The present retail market encapsulates both. With respect to the new businesses, there are 33 businesses that the Office of Cannabis has permitted with storefront retail-related permits. These are all equity-owned businesses. As Supervisor Safai said, that means that each of these businesses is at least owned by 40% by an equity, by a verified equity applicant in our office. Of these 33 businesses, 31 are storefront retail, two are delivery only. The second category refers to the existing industry. We refer to these businesses commonly as the legacy businesses. They were businesses that were in operation in some form prior to the passage of Prop 64 and are operating on provisional or transitionary permits of sorts. The, this number includes 15 businesses that are delivery-only retail businesses and 32 businesses that are presently medical cannabis dispensaries. These are businesses that are presently permitted by the Department of Public Health, but our office is also involved in the authorization of these permits. In total, the existing or legacy businesses, there are about 47, and then there are the 33 new businesses that the OOC has permitted. In terms of the pending queue of applications, again, two distinctions. The first is for our verified equity applicants. There are approximately 100 applications in the queue. Of these, 63 are for storefront retail, nine are for delivery-only retail, and 28 are for micro-businesses, which include a storefront retail component or a delivery component. The second queue of applications to discuss are those of the active legacy businesses. 
As was mentioned by Supervisor Safai, there are approximately 71 pending applications for retail from other non-verified equity applicants. Now that number should be put in the appropriate context. We believe through our experience with the operators that about 24 of these 71 pending applications are very unlikely to move forward because they have been inactive for a significant period of time. So thinking about the remaining 47, those are the same 47 that I discussed on a previous slide. They refer to the 32 presently active medical cannabis dispensaries and the 15 presently active delivery only operations. The important point to distinguish here is that these applications are waiting for conversion under Article 16, a permanent permit from our office, but they are presently operating today. So they, once they are converted under the Article 16 fold by the Office of Cannabis, they will not represent new businesses. They will represent a subset of businesses that are presently in operation, just with a different permit once they're converted. The majority of these applications are in the early stages of the permitting process in accordance with the tiers in Article 16. Now, just to speak briefly about permitting timelines for hold, the hold two... On, hold on one second, just sure. so we're clear. So just go back to the previous page on the retail market, because jumping around, and I understand, I just want to make sure we understand what's... Okay, so the 33 businesses that are there, permanent candidate, those are the equity? That's right, they are equity-owned. So and these are equity oper currently operating? That's right. And then the other 47 are currently operating under different categories. 32 are medical that will eventually transition, and then 15 are delivery only. Yeah, and they're operating with temporary permits. Okay. So that's 47 plus 33. Got it. So that ends up being 80. Correct? Am I right? 33 plus 47. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> There's a reason why I went to law school and no, no, didn't no, pursue it's okay. engineering. Okay, so now on the new page, <laughs> just so we're clear, on the next page it says 71 pending, and those are pending currently operating. This is the next slide, the yeah. one that says verified equity applicants at the top? Yeah. That's no, right. No, 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 the one that says retail perm. this one, the one you have up right now. Right? Yes, this is referring to the active legacy businesses. Got it. And then when you said 24 and, and active and unlikely to pursue a permit, what does that mean? Sure. So they've submitted an application, but they're not operating. That's right. Back in 2018, when, and the majority of those 24 are formerly their medical cannabis dispensaries, they submitted applications because they were active in 2018. Since 2018, they have become inactive, meaning they haven't reached out to our office and haven't been issued a permit to operate by the Department of Public Health. So at the time that they submitted an application, they were active. Since then, they've become inactive. And many of these, almost all, we have not heard from for years. So we, we know that they are presently inactive. And for that reason, we strongly suspect that they will not be seeking conversion under Article 16. Got it. Okay, keep going. Sorry. No problem. It's just a lot of numbers are jumping around. It's like <laughs> for 47, sure. 47, 33, 24... <laughs> no, and I'm, I'm happy to, to explain right. the numbers if there and are then any at the additional end, questions. And then we're going to have a, a test at the end to see how many actually are operating. <laughs> yeah, and I can answer that. So, Okay, so just continuing with the processing timelines. Again, right. splitting it up by VEAs versus non-VEAs. And the reason why the timelines are different is because the code requires us to process applications submitted by verified equity applicants first. <coughs> And that's why they're, it's until, difficult. Until there's parity. 
until there's parody. That's right. And just a quick point on the parody piece. It's parody by activity. Mm -hmm. So it's parody for like storefront retail, delivery, delivery et cetera. Yep. That's right. Mm -hmm. For our verified equity applicants, and again, these processing times are only for the Office of Cannabis. As Supervisor Safai mentioned earlier, the process entails applicants to go through planning, DBI, other departments as well. We can speak to our timelines, mm -hmm. and the timeline for processing for the Office of Cannabis was previously anywhere between, was about 18 months. More recently, since the office has staffed up, streamlined its process, and worked on developing relationships with other departments, we've cut it down to about 9 to 12 months. Um, we've cut it down to about 9 to 12 months. For our legacy businesses, the processing timeline is a little bit more difficult to predict for a variety of reasons, the primary one being that depending on when we reach parity, we have to continue to oscillate back and forth between our VEAs and our non-VEAs. But once we reach parity, we expect that that process will expedite. We've been working very diligently to create streamlined avenues for processing some of our MCD applications as well as our temp permits. So we expect that the timelines will improve, but it's just difficult to predict right now. Okay. And then finally, just recommendations from the OOC. And Supervisor Safai, you mentioned a word earlier, the word pause. And one of the recommendations we have is to include a sunset provision based on some sort of metric or timeline, um, recognizing that if this is a pause, then at some point it may resume if the conditions are correct or if they make sense. What we know right now, based on our conversations with operators, with state partners, and with other members in the industry, is that it is a bleak economic outlook for cannabis operators at this point in time. Mm -hmm. A couple of years ago, that wasn't so much the case, and we hope that it isn't the case in a couple of years from now. We won't know, but because those conditions may change, having the opportunity to revisit this and having it built into the code is something that we would we recommend. And then the, the second recommendation is just our understanding of the spirit of this program is based around the equity program, and we recognize that today there are about 292 individuals who have reached out to our office they have shown that they meet the criteria to be a verified equity applicant, and we have processed them as so. So they have become verified by our office. These are the 292 folks that have been verified but have not submitted an application for cannabis business permits. We don't know that they will, but one of the recommendations we thought made sense was to provide them with a little bit more of a runway to submit their application should they be interested in doing so, given that they went through the effort of engaging with a government agency, providing documentation, and showing to us that they wanted to be verified. It's, it's a time-consuming process, and for some of our applicants, we've heard it can be triggering, and we just want to leave some space, if there is room, um, to give them an opportunity to apply after the, the legislation, if it passes, goes into effect. So with that, we're happy to take questions. But you didn't end with the last sentence, which says 292, but then speak about that last five. Oh, and then there are an additional five that are currently in the process of being verified, meaning so they've, that... They've submitted information to your office? That's right. So these are individuals, and I'm happy to let Ray speak to this as well, but these are individuals who reached out to our office maybe a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, saying we'd like to be verified. They've submitted maybe two sets of the documentation to meet two of the criteria, and they're still working their way to meet the third. So they are actively in the process of being verified. And the other 292 are individuals who Have were not. verified. 292 that what? 
that were already verified? That's right. They are individuals who have been verified by our office since 2018 or later, mm-hmm. and they have yet to submit an application for a cannabis business permit. Oh, got it. So this five is even a subset behind the 292. It's in the addition- way I read it originally. When it, the way it's here, it looks like they were ahead of the 292, but they're actually behind the 292. They've said we're interested, but we're not fully verified. So you have 292 verified, but they haven't even submitted applications yet. That's right. I, that's the right way to look at it. Got it. Okay. 292, it. they have become verified. There are five that are in the process. Okie dokie. Thank we're you. We're happy to take questions. Supervisors, any questions to the office? I know I, I interrupted, but appreciate you allowing me to ask my questions throughout. I think it clarified. Any questions? I would just make a Supervisor, comment. Uh, Chair Stephanie. Thank you, Supervisor. <laughs> I, when you're saying legacy businesses, I know what you mean in this context. It's just a little confusing because we have, of course, our legacy business program, which is different through OEWD, which is an entirely different program. Um, so I would just make that comment. Um, but other than that, nothing. I, no questions from me. I couldn't hear you. I missed, didn't hear what you said at the end. I'm not even being funny. I couldn't hear what you said. I said I, the legacy business, and, right, and it's and, confusing. Well, in the context of what we're talking about, mm-hmm. cannabis, it means one thing, but we have an entirely different legacy business program through OEWD to recognize business. It's entirely different. So it's, it could be confusing to people that don't understand what we understand here. May, yeah, maybe we could just say legacy um, medical cannabis businesses, right? Because th- those are the those are the medical cannabises, like right? The businesses that have been around for thirty five years or longer that we go through the legacy business program is that's that's not what we're talking about here. No, we're we're simply talking about the existing the Article business 16. cannabis businesses that were existing prior to the passage of Prop 64 in 2016. Right. No, I know exactly what you're talking about, but I'm saying when I talk about legacy business program with my constituents and everybody, the context is what legacy businesses that have been for been around for a long time that like Valentino market on uh, Filbert. Those are businesses that it's just confusing in terms of the language we use as government. We're, we're using these terms Interchangeable. Inter- yes, yeah. and this means one thing in a different context. I'm just saying we should be careful in terms of what you're saying legacy businesses here, but you're meaning it differently from how we're using it in a different department. Can That's you, all I'm saying. Can you say legacy medical cannabis businesses? We can say that. We can also refer to them as grandfathered businesses, although I suspect that may also be a term that's used in other contexts. Yeah. Why don't you just say legacy medical cannabis businesses? I mean, I mean you're welcome to go on to their website OEWDs and look at the legacy business program and decide how you can differentiate. I'm just saying that it's it's confusing. That's all. If uh, legacy is the complicated thing, what if it's very specific to say pre-propsy businesses or something yeah. that's super specific? I, I don't think we need to come up with it now. I'm just making the you know making the observation. So. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions or comments, colleagues? No. Great. So can we go to public comment? Mr. Clerk. Thank you. We will now hear public comment on agenda item number four. If you are with us here in the chamber, please line up to speak along the western wall of this room. If you are connected to our meeting remotely and you wish to be added to the queue to speak, please dial star three and that will add you to the queue. We will hear from those remote callers after we hear from our in-person public comment call uh, speakers. And if the first speaker would please come forward to the lectern.
Good morning, supervisors. I'm Marlene Tran, a longtime community activist in Visitation Valley and a retired teacher with both the San Francisco Unified School District and City College. We are here to uh, accept, or rather to thank the, the sponsors for this legislation, which we hope will stop the acceptance of new applications. For the last few years, Visitation Valley has been, you know, how shall I say, plagued with several proposals for marijuana you know, clinics, two of which have been accepted, and they are rice smack at the entrance to Visitation Valley. In a community that really is low income, predominantly a bedroom community, and, you know, uh, so we really don't want that kind of services. It doesn't help our community. We want more services that are beneficial to our residents. So anyway, we are here to uh, uh, thank the supervisors for this uh, proposal of legislation to stop the acceptance of new applications, and we hope it will be going through. Thank you very much. Thank you, Marlene Thank you. Tran, for sharing your comments with the committee. Could we have the next speaker, please? I will translate this uh, Mr. So. is a leader in the Visitation Valley, too. He is uh, really supporting this uh, Stop the Cannabis. They are all support in that their community. Thank you. Safe, thank you. Good morning, supervisors. My name is Hazel Lee. I'm living in Portura area. Just recently, in Portura area, San Bruno Avenue is a very short road. But already have a one in the port, in the port near the port have a one cannabis store. They want to another another one in the center of the Patura area. This is really ridiculous. The next one is a, is a children's learning center, and also have only one Walgreens. But how can we want so many cannabis? Please stop it. We support uh, Supervisor Asha Savayi. Thank you so much. Thank you, Hazel Lee, for sharing your comments. Could we have the next speaker, please? Bye bye. He represents all the Asian and seniors. It's a, the, it's a, actually, is a leader in Chinatown. The, the name is a Sister Jill. So I say thank you. He's a really supportive. They are all against the cannabis. Please stop it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your comments. Could we have the next speaker, please? Good morning, supervisors. My name is Jakari Donaldson. And I'm, uh, and I'm an equity owner and the CEO of the California Street Cannabis Company. And I'm asking you today to support this pause on licensing new dispensaries. Equity owners were supposed to have a chance at building a new life for them and their communities to help in a small way to right the wrongs perpetrated on our communities by the war on drugs. 
but rather than having thriving businesses, we are facing an extinction event. Many issues plague the legal cannabis market, but one of the biggest problems for us here in San Francisco is that we simply have too many dispensaries and not enough customers. Most of us are unable to pay our taxes every quarter, let alone generate enough income to help our families. And please note that we are not permitted federal bankruptcy protections, so if our businesses are unable to meet their tax burden, we will, financially, we will be financially ruined for potentially the rest of our lives. I believe in the San Francisco Cannabis Equity Program, but we need, but we need your help today to allow our businesses some time to weather this incredibly difficult business environment. With more and more dispensaries opening in San Francisco, we simply cannot survive. The 600-foot buffer was a great start, but it's oversaturated. We need to consider saturation now at the planning level and not just let these pop up every 600 feet from one another, ultimately running each other out of business. We thank you for considering this, but we need this to pass in addition to more provisions if we want our local industry to survive. Thank you. Thank you, Dakari Donaldson, for sharing your comments. Could we have the next speaker, please? Hello, supervisors. Uh, my name is Ben Blyman. I'm speaking as a civilian today and a uh, dispensary owner uh, as part of the equity program with Drakari. Um, I want to thank Supervisor Shafai for bringing this forward. We're speaking in support of it today. Also, Supervisor Stephanie for doing some work on this as well. Um, and especially vis-a-vis -vis the equity community, which was really sold a bill of goods here and is uh, in dire, dire straits. Um, we have too many dispensaries in San Francisco and not enough customers. That is just a fact. Uh, this legislation is a fantastic first step, and we're really behind it and very thankful for it. I'm afraid it might not actually be enough to actually save some of us. So we want you to consider some additional provisions for it that may come up now or in the future, including possibly pausing licenses that have not received land use approval yet, pausing licenses that haven't been referred for land use yet, uh, we could ask the planning department to more heavily weigh saturation in their decision-making process. Uh, we could add additional buffer zones to limit the uh, propensity or the, the flood of these around. And finally, we would ask that uh, we maybe add some teeth to legislating the shot clock, which is the 45-day permit that the OSC, or the 45-day clause the OSC has for inactive licenses. We feel that a lot of licenses are taking advantage of the what's called the good cause provision, uh, which is allowing them to kind of exist in perpetuity uh, with no movement forward. All these provisions, or any of them, could go a long way to helping us. And uh, all of the dispensary owners in our community that we've spoken to so far have been 100% in support of it. So thank you again. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ben Blyman. Can we have the next speaker, please? Good morning. Uh, thank you, supervisors, for having us. A Bram Goodwin, Brownie Mary Democratic Club. Um, I rise in support of this. As you're listening to, really the cannabis industry is unique. We have medical and we have recreational uses of our product, which is, I think, pretty unique. So I think you're looking at this as important. But I would like to ask, that some kind of academic-style study gets done on the retail as part of the moratorium. With all due respect to, to you and to your staff, you're not experts in every business, and especially on cannabis. We're really 
flying blind in this. And I think the money that you might allocate for some kind of important study to give us some groundwork that then the supervisors could use, at least as a starting point, to understand what's going on. Because we really don't. We support um, the moratorium, Brownie Mary does, because as has been mentioned, many of the equity people and the businesses could close given the, the circumstances. So just in summary, we support it but we would like you to consider getting much more information on this. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Bram Goodwin, for sharing your comments. Could we have the next speaker, please? Hi, um, my name is Tony. I just wanted to say this is ridiculous. Um, we have less than half of the amount of dispensaries that we had under the medical system uh, in 2008. Um, these, again, we live in an area with a huge nuclear dump. This is our main way of fighting this. This is a, a huge, huge hit to the area to keep these places from opening because they carry different strains that keep different um, nuclear and bio things from hurting our bodies and giving us things like COVID-19. Um, things like Staphylococcus that mutated in the early 2000s. Um, that's something that can only be, that's like, that's one of the biggest bacterial makeups in our body. Okay, that, that, that's one of the main ways that we contract diseases like this. This is our main way of fighting it before it gets into the body is with cannabis. Cannabis washes this off harmlessly and it gets it out of things like um, fatty bacteria and whatnot. Again, it's responsible for cleaning 50% of our skin type. We can't cut that and cr live in a, in a pandemic and then stop them from opening when they carry different strains that help get rid of different bacterial and nuclear um, issues. This is a huge deal. This is a catastrophe. This is like counterintelligence shit. We can't have a nuclear dump on the side of our coast and, and 80 from 250 or so dispensaries when, that, when, every, when recreation wasn't even legal. But the thing is, this is an option. We're in a pandemic and we're considering... Thank you, Thank you Tony, for sharing your comments. We have to move on to the next speaker. Thank you for providing your comments. Sorry to interrupt you, but we do have to make sure that everyone keeps their comments within the two minutes. Can we get the next speaker, please? Good morning, esteemed supervisors. My name is Malcolm Joshua White. It's indeed a privilege to address you today regarding the pivotal issue of discontinuing acceptance of new cannabis applications. Uh, as a social equity owner of uh, one cannabis club on uh, Union Street in Cow Hollow, and with two others languishing in the pipeline, I can personally attest to the struggle faced by our industry. Uh, investors are hesitant to engage, largely due to the oversaturation of applications. In 2021, my club was under construction with already hundreds of thousands paid to contractors, architects, expediters in the heart of the SOMA by my investors. There was op optimism in the air. Yet today, because of the oversaturation uh, of the cannabis retail map, a social equity applicant 
uh, owner's portion or value uh, or advantage is worth nothing, like nothing, nothing. We used to say this was an opportunity for a shot at legacy wealth. Now we're just trying to avoid ruin, um, as Jakari uh, said before me. So making the halting of new applications uh, is a necessary first step to rekindling any investment interest at all, if not an extinction-level event, as, as has been talked about in uh, newspapers due to the oversaturation, which is very true and not hyperbole. Therefore, it is my request uh, at, uh, at this time that social equity applicants, um, what, uh, my request is a cessation to all new apps immediately and social equity applicants who currently hold leases and possess already approved building, building permits or job cards should be granted up to a year from when this ordinance takes effect to secure new investors. See, this is the thing. Once the map clears up, then we have to take that and go find new investors. Um, and if we're under a, a lot of pressure, that's when the predatory and uh, loans come in and stuff because we feel pressure, as you know, that we're, you know, there's debts involved and things like that. So that time will give us time to uh, negotiate new beneficial deals. Um, and simultaneously, the apps that haven't passed planning or DBI. Speaker's time has concluded. Thank you, Malcolm Joshua White, for sharing your comments with the committee. Do we have anyone further in the chamber who has public comment on agenda item number four? If so please come forward to lectern. Good afternoon. My name is David Hooper. I'd like to thank uh, Supervisor Safai, Stephanie, and Walton for bringing this issue to the committee. Um, I'm in favor of it, uh, and I'd like to state just a few simple reasons. Um, uh, oversaturation has been um, a theme for some time. Uh, it's relative to how many people are willing to buy a product, uh, and well, there are fewer of them in town right now with a disposable income. Additionally, every time that there's, uh, every time this goes to the Planning Commission, uh, it takes a, an incredible number of hours and people aren't letting the issue go in the communities that are opposed to the cannabis stores, period. Then they come to the Board of Supervisors and they take up a lot of your time. So in my opinion, it's time to slowly roll this back to where we can figure out how many will work. If we have approximately 35 cannabis retail and medical, and if there's approximately 120 in the pipeline that will still be allowed to continue with their applications, it's far in excess of what the retail and medical cannabis stores can handle themselves. Uh, uh, there is testimony at the various uh, committees at the Planning Commission and at the uh, Board of Supervisors about how the present stores are feeling the pinch and the competition. So I'd like to say please, thank you, send this on to the Board, I hope unanimously and I'd also like to thank Mr. Carroll for his work in the past. I'd like to say that we have some great city employees. Thank you. Thank you, David Hooper, for sharing your comments. Could we have the next speaker, please? Oh, Ken from San Francisco. Amsterdam, Netherlands has been cracking down on cannabis trade and use, viewing the activities as socially undesirable and reorient, reorienting their drug policy uh, recently. Legalization here has opened a can of worms. How are wholesale vendors vetted? Who are the purchasing agents for the illicit product? 
What are the costs by comparison on average between price per pound for comparable product between the two markets? And, uh, you know, many local restaurants don't make their first two years in business. It's uh, no surprise that cannabis outlets will similarly seek new management, often, unfortunately, prior to closure, this, the economics of the business. Thank you, Ken, for sharing your comments. Do we have anyone further here in board chamber room 250 who has public comments on agenda item number four? <coughs> Seeing none, we have seven listeners, and of them there are five who wish to speak. Could we be connected to the first of those five speakers, please? Hello, my name is Denise Dory. I'm 68 years old and I have um, about four catastrophic illnesses from a tick bite and cannabis is pretty much keeping me alive. Um, and we, our, our movement goes back to the AIDS crisis. I'm on a lot of the same drugs the AIDS patients were on and um, it, the cannabis helped them tolerate the AIDS drugs and it legitimized cannabis in San Francisco. And San Francisco is um, the flagship for cannabis. And if Big Pharma, if they ever deschedule cannabis, Big Pharma will, will jump right in and uh, you'll be able to buy cannabis at Walgreens, you know, whether you like it or not. You'll, you'll like it after you figure out that it helps you. The, the main danger of cannabis is um, when, when they make concentrates with uh, highly volatile ingredients that blows houses up. We saw that last month. And that, that's, um, we have to regulate the concentrate manufacturer. That's the main danger here. I don't see uh, a whole bunch of people hanging out in front of dispensaries because they have security at dispensaries. So alcohol is sold on nearly every block. And you, you know how alcohol makes people act. Cannabis doesn't do that. It makes them get along better. It makes people get along better not fight like alcohol. Um, all cannabis use is medicinal, unlike alcohol. Cannabis was legitimized in San Francisco, and access of love gives away free cannabis, which saves lives. Um, so we got to stop disrespecting our herb. This herb is um, the most important herb that exists. You can eat it, you can smoke it, ingest it, whatever. I don't know anyone who got sick from it. And uh, if the Fed, are, um, we've got to we've got to um, allow these legacy businesses. Uh, the, um, concluded. We, we can't allow. We can't. Sorry to cut you off. Thank you for sharing your comments with the committee. We have to make sure that everyone constrains their comments to two minutes so that we hear from everyone for the same amount of time. Can we be connected to the next speaker, please? Good morning, supervisors. This is Johnny Delaplane, uh, the president of the San Francisco Cannabis Retailers Alliance. I'd like to thank Supervisor Safai, his co-sponsors, and this committee for taking up this important action. Um, you know, the, the Retailers Alliance represents over a dozen social equity and legacy medical cannabis dispensary businesses in San Francisco, right? We all know that the market share in San Francisco isn't large enough to support all of these stores, right? Social equity is supposed to give equity applicants a leg up, but because of the avalanche of applications, new stores are getting launched into an environment of perfect competition. Um, for that reason, we 100% support, support this legislation as written, and the San Francisco Retailers Alliance would be open to supporting further amendments that would potentially limit the total number of cannabis retail stores in San Francisco 
For example, making a DBI permit or a conditional use authorization from the Planning Commission a potential point at which we're going to allow all of these applicants to continue. So um, thank you for taking this up, and I will see the rest of my time. Thank you, John Delaplane, for sharing your comments. Could we get the next speaker, please? Speaker, please begin. If you've just heard that your line has been unmuted, that means it's your opportunity to provide your comments. Is this Hi, line... can you hear me? Yes, Sorry. we can. Please begin. Okay, great. Thank you. Hi, I'm Chris Calloway. I'm a 25-year resident of San Francisco. I'm a small business owner, and uh, I'm the proud recipient of San Francisco's first equity retail dispensary permit. So I own dispensaries, and I can easily see how this legislation would positively, positively impact my businesses. However, if so many businesses shutter across the city, I do not believe our city should start preventing any type of business from opening its doors in San Francisco right now. I'd like to see a fair market approach to cannabis retail in San Francisco, allow the market to decide on its own how many dispensaries, how many taquerias or nail salons can operate successfully here. Um, I believe we are facing far more pressing issues regarding health and safety in San Francisco. Um, I, if you do find this legislation is absolutely necessary, I would uh, ask that you please consider carving out an exemption for 100% owned equity businesses to continue navigating the permitting process for new applications. Uh, thanks so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your comments. Could we get the next speaker, please? Thank you, John. Uh, Connor Johnston, I am the co-owner of a couple social equity retail locations in San Francisco and a renowned man about town. Uh, I want to thank Supervisor Sapai for bringing this legislation back uh, and, and just express that uh, I am a little bit uncomfortable with the strange bedfellows this legislation has created, being that uh, Cannabis operators are now here alongside the anti-cannabis reactionaries, but uh, politics is weird sometimes. We, we do all, as a, as a broad cannabis community in San Francisco, I think, uh, support this. I would recommend that you set the trigger as whether or not an applicant has received land use approval yet and not advance any applicants that haven't, because if you just cut off applications, I don't think this achieves a whole lot. And I do want to address the criticisms that I've been seeing in the Twitter sphere, especially that this legislation is just an imposition on the free market and just a way to protect existing operators. The, the problem with that premise is that cannabis is the furthest thing from a free market you can imagine. We don't just face competition from other regulated operators. We face an illegal market in California that is twice the size of the legal market and runs rampant. So when you hear analogies to uh, nail salons, there are not multiple illegal nail operators giving manicures in Golden Gate Park, but there are a lot of people selling weed illegally. Uh, and that, that is the problem that we face. And, and the other thing is the, so the cannabis retail program in San Francisco was intended to be a social equity opportunity for people to be successful and to make wealth. And if we continue processing these applications, it's simply a false promise to these social equity applicants. They're going to end up investing a ton of money and time and losing it. And so time is so concluded. Thank you, Connor Johnston, for sharing your comments with the committee. It's been a while since we've heard your voice. 
Sorry to cut you off. We did re reach the two-minute limit for comments. We need to move on to the next speaker. Can we be connected to the next speaker, please? Hi, good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Nina Parks. I am a, a calling representing uh, Equity Trade Network. Uh, we are a network of um, equity businesses all over the state, state of California, um, but I'm based out of San Francisco. So uh, in regards to this ordinance as written, I do think that there's still more conversation that we have to have um, primarily around time frame of a moratorium. I do in full support that there is a, a break um, in uh, opening up more stores beyond like what's already in the pipeline. So definitely giving all the people that have sat with their, their permits in place and are trying to get through the process and have just been uh, snailing along the way um, through the departments, continue to give them their opportunity to get up and running. But yes, yeah, so we do need, we need a moratorium. We need a break for a little bit because uh, it is oversaturated. We don't have the market to be able to, step, um, to continue to support what exists. Um, so for us just to take some time, but really think about what that time frame looks like and not just leave it um, open-ended at this time frame. So like a, we do need a little bit more conversation uh, moving forward, but the, the premise is um, I think important for us to kind of get our bearings back and to see what the state of the industry um, will support moving forward to be the best economic opportunity for especially um, equity applicants involved. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Nina Parks, for sharing your comments with the committee. Could we have the next speaker, please? Hello, my name is Gilbert. I'm a disabled veteran. I take, uh, I use the devil's weed because uh, the pharmaceuticals are too dangerous. I would have lost my life by now. I would have had heart problems, kidney, liver problems. All right, let's get to the issues here. Uh, you're being deceived, you're being gaslit. So far we've heard saturated this, yada, yada, yada. A bunch of teenagers are using cannabis. Where's the data? Where's the arrest? Yeah, I mean, it's all opinion. In my opinion, there's too many churches in the city. Maybe we should get rid of half of them. They're duplicated. Well, anyway, if you want to weed people out, maybe some of these owners that have three or four clubs, maybe you should restrict them to one. So anyway, uh, capitalism, unbridled capitalism, you wouldn't even regulate it. Okay, so here we have uh, uh, the, the big money trying to squeeze out the little money, create monopolies. We don't need that. that that's, that's, that's inherent of uh, capitalism, you know, unbridled capitalism. Why, why are they doing that here? And comparing apples and oranges, what goes on in Amsterdam and San Francisco are apples and oranges. Who cares? There's, it's a whole different country, a whole different people, culture, and problems, okay? So comparing Amsterdam to San Francisco is ridiculous. So I, I suggest the supervisors check the facts and stop being gaslit and deceived. I mean, if you believe stop the steal without any evidence, whatever. I mean, come on, do you get the point? You're being gaslit and deceived. Cut them. Postpone this till you get the facts. Unless you want to be deceived, it, it looks like you're you're on the take. You have no data. Having two clubs in a district is not a saturation. 
Come on, wake up. Speaker's time wake is concluded. Up. You have a fentanyl Thank you, problem. Gilbert, for sharing your comments with the committee. Sorry to cut you off. We have to move on to the next speaker. Could we have the next speaker, please? Shauna Gokunar, Executive Director of Access of Love SF, also one of the first uh, provisional permit holders, and I don't know if I was included in the five that are in discussion with the Office of Cannabis, but I uh, did have a meeting recently and am going to be uh, equity verified. And my concern here and why our organization is going to stand against this is because we can't, why limit medical cannabis um, retail when we have a lot of grant money coming in from the state for medical cannabis research? Um, we need to look into making sure that we understand why a lot of the legacy owners and a lot of the legacy patient organizations aren't even here to speak today. That's some of the data you need to understand about the real drug war that is still going on. I do agree with two of the suggestions from the Office of Cannabis. I think those are good. Um, I think more stakeholders need to be at the table to actually fill out this conversation. I want to emphasize that we would not be where we are without the failure of Prop 64. It is not about the illegal market. It's about how the illegal market was emphasized and supported by Prop 64. Um, so we have a lot of mistakes that, that are injuring people. We cannot use equity like a controlled crash, all of those permits must be gotten through the pipeline and supported with emergency funding if needed. Um, we stand in opposition until there's a fuller conversation. And I would also like to report to the city that very few dispensaries have compassion programs, even with SB 34. And that is a huge Speaker problem of access. So today, Thank you for sharing your comments. Thank you for sharing your comments with the committee. And Madam Chair, I have heard that that is the last remote caller. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Is there anybody else in the chamber that would like to testify for public comment? Seeing none, public comment is now closed. Colleagues, any further remarks? Yes, uh, thank you. Oh, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll wait for everyone to be done. Uh, thank you, um, Chair Stephanie. I just want to uh, express my appreciation to Supervisor Safai for his leadership on this. And I really strongly agree that um, we should be doing everything to support law-abiding businesses from the unfair and really illegal um, competition of the illegal drug-dealing marketplace. Um, it really resonated with me what Supervisor Safai said about the work that San Francisco has done over the years to create policies, um, thoughtful policies, um, about medical cannabis going back to medical ID cards 20. 25 years ago um, during the AIDS crisis. Um, you know, I was in the city attorney's office for a long time when there was a lot of work done to legislate how we were going to address this and make sure that um, the businesses were, were law-abiding and were good neighbors. In particular, there was a lot of work done to require law-abiding cannabis dispensaries to adopt good neighbor policies and public safety plans. And one of the things that was really encouraging to me when I was running for supervisor, um, how many times I heard from the residents of District 6 
that notwithstanding their concerns about neighborhood safety, they really appreciated having a cannabis dispensary in their neighborhood because it was staffed by security personnel and there were people who kept an eye on the neighborhood and were really making good on all the work that this, this uh, legislative body had done over the years to make sure that cannabis dispensaries were good neighbors and did, did their part to make sure that the neighborhood was safe and to look out for one another. So it was nice to hear that we have made progress in that regard. Um, so I'm going to be supporting this because I think we need to do everything we can to support these law-abiding businesses, and I would just be asked to be added as a co-sponsor. Oh, thank you. Supervisor Safai, I see that we've been joined by Supervisor Chan, so... Great. Yeah, why don't you let her go, and then, I'll, and then I, I can wrap Perfect. it up. Welcome, Supervisor Chan. Thank you, Chair Stephanie. I really appreciate Supervisor Safai's legislation on this. And, uh, you know, I think that um, what I am trying to understand, you know, the goal of this and of this legislation and, and the kind of impact that I actually have, both um, just uh, policy and economic impact in San Francisco, I want to say that, you know, when it comes to cannabis, it was uh, first the medical marijuana was legalized in, for the entire states in 1996. Um, and then, uh, Thereafter, uh, recreation marijuana uh, or recreation cannabis uh, was legalized uh, in uh, 2016 uh, for the entire state of California. So it took us a while to really be the space that we're in. And, but San Francisco has always been really forefront of this issue. And uh, we, we have been working on um, both regulating it and figuring out a way to move this issue forward. Um, in, in, in how do we view cannabis business uh, as uh, small business in San Francisco, but also with the uh, understanding that uh, it requires a lot of regulation. And I actually really appreciate uh, Supervisor Safai for putting forward this uh, legislation and in a sense where allow us to have this discussion. And if I understand correctly, and through the chair, you know, Supervisor Tafai and I had this conversation, and I want to also be clear that, you know, the, the thought is behind this legislation is that there seems to be a saturation uh, of cannabis business in San Francisco. And that's the reason why we are here to say, let's seize the application so that we um, do not uh, create saturation. Um, so, so that's one thing I would love to clarify today. Uh, and then I think the second part of it, it's what I find interesting is that collectively as this board, I, I was the only person who, actually I wasn't, along with Board President Peskin voted against, you know, uh, cannabis uh, business tax uh, for it to actually be uh, halt uh, till 2026. Um, the, the thinking that I, I was kind of confused and really worried was that, you know, seeing that the city is was facing budget deficits, we need everyone to pay their fair share. And I thought that the cannabis business should pay their fair share. Um, in fact, they were one of the essential services uh, that was able to operate uh, during pandemic early days. Um, so I, I, and yet, you know, we say, we understand that they seem to have a lot of challenges uh, in San Francisco when they operate. So I'm just trying to understand um, by, you know, seizing the application process and 
not collecting the cannabis business tax until 2026, uh, are we really dealing with saturation or are we actually allowing existing, some of the existing business to monopolize the market in San Francisco uh, and that they end up benefiting from it? So through the uh, chair, if I'm so sorry that I'm late <laughs> to this discussion, but through the chair, perhaps Supervisor Safa, you can just help me understand better before I propose and I, with the amendments I'm about to propose. Thank you, Supervisor Chan. Supervisor Safai. Yes, thank you, Supervisor Chan. We, we did talk about uh, Sunset Day. We did talk about uh, the suggestion that you and I talked about, about having an, uh, an economic analysis performed by the controller. So we did put that out there. Um, in conversation, we're just waiting for those amendments. I don't know if they're ready, but I believe they through, are. through conversation with the uh, um, the city attorney, they're they're non-substantive, so that's that's fine. So we got that information back, um, and and we heard from the industry, we heard from folks out there today. Given the pressures of an illicit market, given the pressures of the inability to bank, given the pressures of it already being a super controlled market. This is not a free market. Um, this is a very regulated, controlled, incubated, fostered uh, industry here, and it's purposeful and it was designed. And so, that's how we came to this conclusion. In terms of the, in terms of the the tax conversation, that's something I absolutely will take up again in the budget committee and as we move forward. And I think we talked about lining up this uh, the. Uh, pause uh, with an economic analysis and the end of that period. So, great. I, I we do actually have the language uh, drafted and proposed. I can ask my aide, um, Robin Burke, uh, to send that forward. But yes. if I may, just read into the record uh, quickly. Wait. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, just one sec. As the chair of the committee, are there any amendments before us that we have seen or that have been sent to the committee members? Just I have seen none. Uh, from Supervisor Chan? No, not yet. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, I'm just clarifying because I have, I have not seen amendments other than the ones that Supervisor Safai has brought to the committee. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, not yet. And this is actually um, going to be, I just wanted to read on the record. I, I just, uh, clearly, I'm not a member of the committee. I can't, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, of course, I defer to you to, to for consideration. So this is only for consideration. And, uh, and I think that is rather reasonable. Um, and because uh, the, the, this is just to really uh, be, frankly, a data-driven instead of, uh, being, so here's my suggestions. Uh, I believe that this is the last page on uh, line eight uh, it, to inserts the clause of no later than June 30th, 2027, the controller shall submit to the board supervisors a report that analyze various impacts of the moratorium on new applications for retail-related cannabis business permits, including its financial impact on the city and the city's cannabis industry, operation impact on the Office of Cannabis, and impact on city neighborhoods. Um, simple, just the reason being 2027, colleagues, is that we will the cannabis business tax will uh, be effective again January 2026, we will not note uh, its impact and the tax that we will generate from it until um, 
May and beyond, uh, you know, in 2027. We'd love to get an understanding of the tax revenue generated um, and that the board of uh, this body, some of us <laughs> may not even be here, but um, myself included. Uh, so, but, but to just allow the board of supervisors to really have information, the city actually have that information and to decide if this is something that we want to continue in terms of the moratorium or do we actually want to reopen. This is not technically a sunset date, to be frank, it's more as adding that language to require an economic impact report for us to actually have a conversation. But I'm, my apologies for just <laughs> push, pushing myself into this conversation and in this committee uh, at such a late. Thank you, Supervisor Chan. Uh, thank you for reading that into the record. And before I turn to Supervisor Safi, I'd like to um, ask Madam uh, Deputy City Attorney for her thoughts on, on the amendment. Deputy City Attorney Ann Pearson, um, the language that Supervisor Chan read into the record is a draft that our office has prepared, but we have not yet approved it as to form. Um, it is language that proposes a report, and so it will likely in its final form not be a substantive amendment, but it's not final yet today. Um, this committee could either choose to keep the legislation in committee and um, hear this amendment when it's ready, or it could choose to move it to the full board and consider the amendment there. Um, and it's hard for me to predict whether the amendment will be substantive then because I haven't seen the final draft yet, but if it's just a reporting requirement, it's not likely to be. Thank you very much for that information. Supervisor Safai, do you have yes. any thoughts on yeah. that? No, thank you. And, and, and again, Supervisor Chen and I spoke about this yesterday, and I think the big question was whether or not it was substantive or not. It sounds like in its draft form it's not. So I think it would be good to make the amendment that we have on the findings in terms of the date um, and then give the committee members the opportunity to see this language, and then we can make this that final amendment at the full board because it will be uh, give everyone time to digest and then, and then we can have the city attorney approve it to form and we can make that amendment at the full board. And I, and I had said, so you know, Supervisor Chen, I had said that we wanted to, um, I know uh, Bram had made a comment, one of the commenters had talked about having a third party with uh, the professional expertise, we'll ask the controller, we can have a conversation with the controller to refine what they would do since we're gonna ask them to do that and it sounds like the language is there but that will give us the basis for which deciding whether or not to continue, pause, however, and I think that's what that amendment is helpful for so appreciate that. So I'm, I'm happy to do that when we get to the full board but I would uh, like this to move forward today uh, with the amendment that we, have, that we have put forward in terms of the finding. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Safai, and it appears that Supervisor Chan is okay with that. Yes. So um, with that, colleagues, do you have uh, anything else you'd like to add or any questions? Okay. Well, um, I would like to um, move approval of the amendments that Supervisor Safai presented to the committee. Motion has been offered by Chair Stephanie to make the amendments as recommended by Supervisor Safai on that motion, Vice Chair Engardio. Engardio, aye. Member Dorsey. Dorsey, aye. Chair Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition. Thank you. And then I'd like Ma to move the item Ma to the... I'm sorry. Full. 
Madam Chair, oh, can I just say just two two closing yes, remarks? I'm sorry because I was wait <laughs> sorry. <laughs> waiting. Sorry, no, it's okay. It's okay. We were. Uh, I I just wanted to thank the Office of Cannabis uh, for their work. Appreciate uh, their work and information. Um, they had made a recommendation of reviewing this um, in a few years, and we agree with that. And we and as seen by the conversation with Brother Chan, I think it does not make sense um, to have a conversation about allowing for additional time for applications. I think we've heard loud and clear this is a unique industry. We have applications that have been submitted. Those are in the pipeline. That's a very different conversation than allowing a whole slew of additional ones to apply. Um, appreciate neighbors that came out that talked about saturation in their community. Appreciate the equity owners and, and operators and current operators talking about the struggles uh, under which they are facing and operating today and the uniqueness of this industry and how much time, effort, and energy we've put into uh, supporting and, and allowing this industry to expand, and, but doing it in a healthy and, and respectful way to the neighbors. Um, so anyway, appreciate the time here today. Thank you, Chair, for putting this on the agenda. Thank you for your co-sponsorship, and thank you, Supervisor Dorsey, for yours as well. Um, thank you, Supervisor Chan, for the conversation yesterday and coming in today with your additional, and we will finalize that when we get to the full board. Thank you. Thank you, colleagues. Thank you, Supervisor Safai. I am happy to co-sponsor this legislation, and thank you, Supervisor Chan, for your remarks. And just to clarify, um, Supervisor Chan did read her um, thoughtful amendment into the record. That will be worked on by the city attorney's office. It is um, not moved as of yet. It will be presented um, likely at the full board um, when this item um, gets there. And I would like to move this item to the full board with positive recommendation as amended. On the motion offered by Chair Stephanie that the ordinance be recommended as amended to the Board of Supervisors, it will be considered there on June 6th. On that motion, Vice Chair Engardio. Aye. Engardio, aye. Member Dorsey. Dorsey, aye. Chair Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition. Thank you. Mr. Clerk, are there any more items before us today? There is no further business. Then we are adjourned. Thank you.